The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's your host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM. I'm your host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and with me today is Reverend Dan Beckett. Here on Spirit of Recovery, we talk about the ways in which spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And as today's show is an interactive discussion, if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. Make a note of this number. It's 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. And we'll open the lines in the second half of the show. So is recovery stupid, boring, and glum? It seems so when we first uh, arrive in, in a 12-step program. We lose our coping mechanism when we give up our addiction. And there seems to be this huge gaping hole, this void, because we've not yet found our new path. And it seems like we get stuck in this one 12-step meeting after another without a whole lot else going on. You might say that we're in the wilderness. And the recovery literature even echoes this with the question, am I to be consigned to a life that is stupid, boring, and glum? Well, today's topic is the power of imagination. And how many times have we said, well, I don't have any of that, but we were told when we first entered the program that we had lots of grandiosity, we had big dreams, big ideas, and even though they didn't turn out to be much of anything, uh, we might have even started a lot of projects, but you know, as the addiction grows before we get clean, uh, those activities go by the wayside. And even as kids, we may have been told that we were daydreamers and that that was not a good thing at that point. But we were using our imagination. And then there's art and creativity and all of those other things that might fall under that uh, that label of imagination. And so I think it's a really big topic. And Dan, would you like to start us off today? Sure, I would like to. Uh, when I think about imagination as related to my recovery path, I I quickly realize that uh, I kind of see it in two ways. Um, imagination itself, I think, is neither good nor bad, helpful or unhelpful. But I know that I can use it in ways that are helpful or unhelpful. And when I think back about uh, the times in my life pre-recovery, uh, especially um, there at the end, uh, leading up to my getting in the in a twelve step program, I can see some uses of imagination in my life that were uh, not helpful at all. I distinctly remember, in fact, and th- this is part of what helped 
me understand that that there was a serious problem that needed my attention in my life. Uh, but I remember uh, even just walking down the street in a perfectly safe and familiar town, uh, feeling like a sense of paranoia that I have never felt before. It's a worry and an anxiety, my imagination uh, running wild with all, all these negative stories about is someone going to attack me is someone running up behind me and i would turn around and look and uh, my imagination at that time certainly had taken on a life of its own in a, in a most unhelpful manner and having experienced that that was one of the things that helped uh, even me you know it's it, we're the last ones of course to realize uh, that we have an issue uh, that that would lead us into a 12-step recovery program. But the light began to come on with those kinds of big, loud things. And that, that very unhelpful or unskillful use of imagination for me uh, was part of my wake-up call. You know, I, um, I was reflecting on my family history and the ways in which um, I have, a, in my family history, I have an uncle and others who were already in addiction when I was a child. And, and I can remember my grandmother sitting up at night and wondering and worrying and making up uh, stories about, you know, what might happen and is he going to come home and how is this, how is this going to turn out? And, you know, and today I can see that that was in essence, some of my training around the power of imagination in that my job is to worry. My job is to figure out what could go wrong. My job is to anticipate the worst possible scenario so that I could be prepared. And um, I did not know for many years and did not realize um, that that was feeding the paranoia and feeding the the distrust and all of those other things that uh, landed with me when I finally got into recovery. Yeah, I can see that, and especially the part about the patterns that we learn early on and in that environment that you're describing. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me that uh, using imagination to try and um, not quite predict, but to be prepared for anything that could happen in a chaotic environment uh, it just makes sense to do that, but I can see how uh, imagination, um, you sort of learned to use it in, in ways that were anxiety-creating because of what was going on. Yeah, it went, and later on, of course, it as the uh, addiction continued and deepened, the paranoia and such that you spoke about really took off, and that, yeah. that was by then a habit. It was not uh, even a conscious thought. I didn't sit down and go, well, let's see. How can I anticipate the verse that was going to happen? It, I was already in it. It was a rut. It was well-worn. You know, and another thing I was thinking about is um, I came to the time when I uh, came up to the end of the rope, the end of the line for me, and I had this, this really strange sensation. I could, I could always, what I would say, see into the future. I could always anticipate, based on what I just commented, you know, I would see my future unfolding a certain way, I would see certain things happening at work, I would see promotions coming my way, I could see a path forward. I was imagining that, of course, but by the time I got to the end of, of the line with my, um, with my alcohol addiction, I was in, at a blank wall. I would look forward and I could not see past August. 
Mm. I couldn't anticipate what was the new school year going to look like. What was the new fall going to look like? You know, and and it was the strangest thing. It was I would try to see into the future. I would try to look in the future, and it was blank. It was black, and it was dark. And I got clean in September. And so I found that that was a very interesting thing when I contemplate imagination, how it kind of came to a screeching halt for me. Yeah, I can hear that. So it it feels like um, that that planning ability, that foreseeing, whether, you know, anticipating things that could go wrong or picturing how things are going to be. It sounds like it just evaporated and sort of left with nothing. That's what it felt like. And, you know, there's a line in the book that talks about how there comes a point in time when we cannot see the future with or without alcohol or our drug of choice. Yeah. And, and I was reflecting on that because I think that's really where I landed is it's the end of the line. I, I, can't, I can't see any future in any direction here. Yeah. This reminds me of that uh, phrase, you know, we have so many in 12-step uh, recovery that um, about stinking thinking, which of course is very broad, but for me, it includes uh, the ways that I use my imagination, the ways that I used to use my imagination that were uh, unhelpful, um, that were problematic, you know, causing trouble for me, making up things that really had no basis in reality that were very troubling to me. So when I first heard that phrase, stinking thinking, I felt like, okay, I, I know at least one way that this is true for me. Uh, and that was the, the way that I um, sort of spun out uh, false tales of, of um, danger and, and that kind of paranoid thinking that was, uh, you know, really, really quite, uh, I was way off the path at that point that's for sure you know it's it's um it's one of those things that i think we're born with and we all use in one way or another creatively or helpfully or not helpfully but i can also uh, recall i was a sickly child and i remember being told i was a sickly child and so i believed i was a sickly child and I learned that one of the ways that I got attention was to be a sickly child. And so I, um, I, I know today that psychologically and psychosomatically, some of my illness was because of that. Some of that was I came to believe that about myself. And, you know, of course, there's metaphysical tie-ins and, and belief systems and other things here that we'll talk about in a little bit that um, – that fed that. And today, that is still one of my active practices that I have to, to watch for is, am, am I really sick or am I just believing I'm sick? Mm. You, you know, am I imagining that I'm sick? Um, and, and, you know, that's a fine line for me, but because that was my personal rut, that my imagination could take a stomach ache and turn it into, you know, a three-day illness, <laughs> then, you know, I, I have to be aware of that for myself, that that's my peculiarity. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think that's a really good point. And it's also been my experience in recovery. It's not as if my um, unhelpful uses of imagination just stopped and went away. I mean, certainly uh, those most severe occasions, like I described earlier, that does not happen 
anymore. But I'm still, like you say, perfectly capable of, um, you know, contemplating the wreckage of my future, as I've heard, you know, uh, being worried about an outcome, um, wanting to make sure that, you know, all possible um, paths are covered somehow or other. And well, you know, what if this happens and I better do that? And, and so that I think is an echo of that very same um, ability, I'll call it in me that got way out of hand, you know, at the, at the end of my drinking career. And so I can totally identify with um, those, those abilities, including the not so helpful ones are still around for me. And uh, sometimes I do have to uh, fall back on or rely on uh, my spiritual principles, uh, maybe prayer, faith, what have you, um, in order to have something to push back against those old habits of mind, including uh, imagining negative outcomes. I mean, there there is some good in being able to do that but just like anything it's a matter of staying in balance with it for me um if if i'm getting too deep into contingency planning and it has a negative uh charge you know an anxiety attached to it then then that's a sign that i may need to step back and uh, use some other skills that i have developed to get some perspective Um, but then again um, i think it's important to be able to think about contingencies and so it's a it's a matter of staying in balance and and that's why i think that uh, one reason i find the the um the community so helpful you know whether it be a sponsor friend uh home group or what have you uh an article even uh, because that helps me to stay in balance with the ways that i use my imagination you know one of the things that i they about this in the recovery literature, any recovery literature, a lot, and that has to do with fear, mm. future events appearing real. And yeah. it just occurred to me that, that that is fed by my imagination, yes. that just as we've been talking about, that I've imagined something and now I've blown it out of proportion and, and now I'm in fear. And so, you know, a lot of the tools in the program are about how do I get out of fear? What do I do with this fear? Uh, how do I let go of this? How do I change it? And one of the very first things I had to stop doing, it has to do with garbage in, garbage out. I had to quit watching certain kinds of movies. I had yeah. to quit watching certain kinds of television shows. I had to quit listening to certain types of of music because that fed the negative stuff, the negative stories that were already going on in my head, and it would amplify them because you know how you get a song phrase stuck in your brain, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, negative, it's a negative affirmation. It's a you know, worrisome thing over and over and over and over again. And so, um, I, had to, I had to do some practical things like that in order to get a hold of this, to be able to turn my imagination into a different direction. And while it does not speak to that specifically in the recovery literature, it doesn't say you have to point your imagination someplace else, you know, we learned that when we started learning about unity principles that we have the power to control that through our faith and what we choose to focus on. Yes. I always add uh, eventually to that because for me, it was eventually. Eventually, uh, I got to the place where I regained the power of choice in many ways. First, I regained the power 
to choose not to drink. And that, of, of course, was the main focus um, at the beginning for a while. But I find that I uh, found that after that, I slowly regained choice in other areas of my life, including uh, being able to choose differently when it comes to things like you were describing. You know, this is reminding me of that core uh, unity principle that I'll paraphrase that whatever it is that we think about, whatever we focus our minds on, that is what will grow. And so I think that thing with the music, and I've, I've had the same experience. Um, for me, it was more about like uh, television and maybe uh, television news and things like that. And certainly some kinds of films and things um, I had to be careful about because they, it feels like it kind of creates a feedback cycle. Like I'm feeling a certain way, so I'm gravitating towards things that are reinforcing that. And then, you know, it gets in this loop. And one of the ways, and I think you described this, one of the ways that I've been able to um, short-circuit that uh, and break that cycle is by choosing differently as far as the types of media that I consume, the things that I read, and replacing those things with, um, you know, books and uh, articles or whatever it is, news even, that is uh, helpful and supporting instead of feeding that uh, ability that I, I acknowledge I still have, that ability to use my imagination in what for me are destructive ways. And, you know, I think a lot of this is also part of the human condition because, you know, I have I have been told that we as humans are um, story-making machines. Given limited information, we fill in the blank. And depending on our own particular personality and environment and all of that, we fill it in positively or negatively. But it, it strikes me that that, too, is a use of the imagination. I think it is. And, and I think that that's an essential life skill to have. I mean, there are times when it's perfectly appropriate to anticipate negative outcomes. Um, but for me... Those fortunately, those times are fairly few and far between, and uh, is and I find that again, it's it comes always comes back to balance for me. As as long as I am able to keep some perspective, uh, which is hard to do if I'm sort of locked in my head, which again is why community is so important to me, the fellowship. Um, if as long as if I can gain some perspective, um, then I can. Um, have some insight and be able to realize, you know, am I, am I using this, you know, genuinely powerful and helpful ability, imagination or anticipating outcomes? Am I using that or am I misusing it? And sometimes I've, I need to talk to someone else and explain, you know, what's going on with me to try and get a sense of, um, you know, is, is this a helpful activity for me or am i really you know making too much of it or am i worrying too much about something i think that that's also true for me and and it was i was just thinking that it probably works the same way in my prayer community when i share what's going on in my head and i get feedback that changes my perspective then my imagination lets go of that negativity or that anticipated thought and i'm able to um, entertain other 
other thoughts, other options. Yes, it's it's almost as if um, you know these the the negative, I'll just say, negative ways that I have used um, my abilities in the past. It's not like those things go away. It's more like I I add to it additional uh, possibilities. And so when before, as you described, uh, that that place of having no choice, um, I add to the list of options. And so now I do have a choice. And yes, I can choose uh, to use my abilities, including my imagination, in ways that aren't helpful to me. But I have other choices as well. Again, it's not like it's not like those bad habits disappear. They just get right-sized along with everything else. And so, you know, I, I want to be able to draw on my ability to anticipate potential negative outcomes, but only as appropriate. And I think uh, this is reminding me of another way that I remember using imagination is that thought, you know, in, in active addiction, thinking, oh, well, it'll be different this time. Because in I can imagine it being different this time. And then, you know, that was enough to just repeat the cycle. And of course, we know where that goes. That didn't work at all. But uh, that's another way I used my imagination um, to fool myself, you know, uh, into thinking that, well, this time I'll be okay. This time I'll be able to, um, you know, hold back and, and uh, be reasonable about my my drinking only to find that well just like every other time or almost every other time that really didn't turn out to be how it was my imagination was uh, telling me a story so you know for me part of uh, i thought i didn't have any imagination and really what i believe now is that i was labeling that as creativity and it was my own particular version of creativity if i can't pick up a pencil and draw a a lifelike portrait of somebody i don't have it i don't have any imagination i don't have any creativity if i can't take a piece of fabric or a piece of cloth and make it into something wonderful my first try i don't have any imagination you know or, or creativity and and that's not the way that I understand imagination today as that it works. Um, you know, in, in unity theology, it is one of our creative generative powers where the formless, the ideas, uh, that which is just, you know, floating around out there, get brought into form. It's that magic, it's that magic box, you know, there's nothing in it, and now there is. Um, and and you know with uh, Charles Fillmore defined it as as um, that place where form comes out of really out of uh, out of an idea, and it's um, it's it's one of the twelve powers uh, as we believe, and it is uh, something we are born with, and so we cannot not use it, according to Charles. And the thing that I got from that the most is that I had to become aware of how and when I was using it because I was not keyed into that. We've talked about all the negative ways, the ruts that I just had fallen into and had no clue that that was what was fueling the fear and what was fueling the negative emotions and the and the negative uh, attitudes and behaviors and those kind of things was this, as you said earlier, imagination run wild. Yeah, I can really identify with that, um, what you were describing about creativity, because 
I remember, uh, you know, when I was younger, for many of the very same reasons, thinking that I didn't have any creativity. And really, I just misunderstood what creativity is. And ironically, I created the idea that I didn't have any creativity. And I was so good at that creation that I, I believed it. And, and what I have found since then is that that, um, that creative ability that is inherent in us, that is uh, a reflection, if you will, of God in us, uh, is the source of all kinds of good things. Of course, I can use it in negative ways, too. But I have learned and I know that uh, my imagination now, which is, as you said, a, a form of creativity, my imagination creativity now is how I build a better life for myself. Um, because I can use that ability to um, you know, vision, if you will, or consider if I, if I want to make a change in my life, whether it's a you know physical manifest thing or, or an internal change to the way I respond to things, I can begin by imagining what would that be like if I could do that? What would that look like? What might it feel like? And in that way, I can begin to... Um, define it for myself you know where there was nothing i can begin to define something and then begin to inhabit that and carry it uh with me as i go well and i also think we we uh discount the many ways because as many ways as there are ideas people can be creative you know you can you can give some people some physical things and they then they create something wonderful out of it but you give other people just ideas for example computer programming and somebody can see a vision and they can with um with with whatever programming skills that they that and languages that they use they can make something out of nothing yeah absolutely and i i think that that's a key and core principle for me in recovery is making a life uh, that has, um, you know, elements to it and aspects uh, and a joy to it and a freedom and a happiness to it that uh, did not exist before. And that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like that that has been created out of nothing. Maybe it's been discovered or awakened. You know, there are different analogies that we can use. But what I know is from where I sit, it was not there and now it is there, and that's from following 12-step and unity spiritual principles. Well, hold that thought, Dan, uh, because we're going to be going into break just shortly, and we want to make sure that people know they can call in with questions afterwards. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life 
and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Too often, people desire prosperity but are not willing to pay the price. What is the price? It is sharing, giving, loving, and caring. Prosperity needs an inflow and an outflow, just as a body of water does if it is to remain fresh and clean. As we create an outflow by giving in love, we experience the inflow of a greater awareness of good in our lives. Perhaps you've been led to believe that for every winner in this game we call life, there must be a loser. The truth is that you rarely lose by giving. In giving freely without thought of return, we set in motion a great momentum of goodness. When we give, everyone is a winner. You have something unique to offer the world, something no one else can give. Whatever your gift, know that it is precious, give it freely, share it in love. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear the beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. The toll-free number is 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or... Xander, every Friday at 12 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. So welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're sure glad that you're here with us today. And if you're just joining us, I'm your host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and with me today is Reverend Dan Beckett. And we've been discussing the role of imagination in our recovery, both in terms of unskillful uses, and we just we're starting to move into more skillful uses, how we can use imagination to support our recovery. And so the phone lines are going to be open now. If you have questions or comments or would like to call in, the number is 816-251-3555. The number again, 816-251-3555. And so, Dan, before the break, we were talking about all the different ways that we've used imagination in an unskillful way. 
you know, how we've learned from our family of origin and how, how we've used them as coping mechanisms and how we don't even know that we're doing it. But there are lots of positive ways that we can use imagination to support ourselves in our recovery. For me, and I, and I like this, you know how in, in our 12-step communities, we might go listen to someone share their experience and the general outline is uh, what, it, you know, what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. And uh, you know what it used to be like. I think we covered that pretty well, and I'm excited about getting into uh, what happened and especially what it's like now. And and the principle, the spiritual principle that comes to mind for me is the you know the, what we call the law of attraction, which I think is something that's easy to misunderstand, um, but it's it's pretty clearly a skillful use of imagination and more broadly of thought of which imagination is an important part. Um, I guess I would characterize it as, uh, again, that, that, that birds of a feather flock together. You know, that, that which we focus on will grow in our experience. And so what that looks like for me when I'm practicing it is, it, what, if, what it looks like is that I'm attracting into my life things that are in tune with whatever's going on in my mind, and if I am using my power of imagination in a skillful manner, then I will be attracting things that are, are positive and helpful and supportive of me, whatever that might be. Even if they are challenges, you know, if I, if, if I uh, attract some situation that is challenging to me, I can still see the good in that because maybe that's exactly the challenge that I need at that moment in time. So that, that idea that our, our thoughts will tend to uh, change our experience and bring our, our experience into line with them, that law of attraction, I find it um, super helpful and central to recovery. I would agree with that, um, and, but it requires the employment of the imagination, and I'll give you an example. I could not imagine my life being any different than it was the day that I walked into, into the halls. And so I had no goal. I had no way to see what was even possible for me. So if I can't see that, how can I even, um, how can I draw something to me? How can I, you know, activate the, the law of attraction? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And, and this is reminding me that, of course, the, the just that principle uh, that that w- whatever it is that our mind is focused on, that is what we will experience more of in our life. That core principle, and we, we call it law of attraction, is also a, a prosperity principle. If we want to um, improve our life experience, and, and what that means can be different, of course, for each and every person, but whatever it is. Uh, that I might want to do to improve my life experience, I do need to be able to conceive of it. You know, the law of attraction can't engage if I can't hold in mind uh, what that is. And as you're describing, when we, when we first come into recovery, I mean, it's enough to show up at a meeting, um, make a phone call, and not take a drink, um, not too, um, you know, wrapped up in uh, how great it's going to be 10 years from now or what have you. Uh, but after a while, uh, 
um, when things start to take hold, when, when the program principles start to take hold and the promises, I can begin to see how they were coming true. Um, then I think I'm in a better position to use my imagination in a skillful or helpful way, uh, which, you know, that's what engages prosperity in my life. That's what engages that law of attraction. You know, when that movie came out about the law of attraction, you know, 10 years ago or whenever it was, um, I remember there being some talk around the halls about that. And specifically, somebody told me, well, it doesn't work. And I had not seen the movie or heard of the law of attraction. Maybe it was 15 years ago. And so I had him explain it to me. And the comment was that I spend, you know, some time every evening imagining myself in this big house in this bathtub full of money, basically, mm-hmm. and and they weren't there yet, and so it doesn't work. Right. And so, I mean, I think that there's some other dots for me, some other um, um, key things that have to happen to to connect the dots between I have this idea in imagination and making it come true. You know, having it actually start showing up in my life, and so. For me, I, I think I go back to the meetings because there I saw somebody who had a story like mine whose life looked better than mine did today. And they said, if you do what we do, you'll get what we get. And so I started trying to turn my mind from all those negative thoughts and the negative behaviors and dwelling on things and and do the things I was told to do, which is make a phone call when you're stuck in this fear. Make a phone call. Show up at a meeting. Read read some spiritual literature, you know, to turn my imagination or or my mind, the focus away from all the stuff that fed where I have already been in my life and I don't want to go back. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing and it and it can uh, make this whole, you know, law of attraction or prosperity principles seem really superficial and untrue if we can't connect the dots, as as you said, because um, you know my uh, my ability to imagine um, a different living situation, um, you know, maybe there's a, a vacation or a nicer automobile or whatever, those kinds of physical things. Uh, you know, there are some dots in between my ability to imagine that and uh, having those things uh, become reality in my life. And what I had heard that helped me a great deal, um, well, two things. One is um, that there's an important question to ask after you know kind of the step after the imagination step the visualization if you will and that question is what do i need to change about myself in order for this to become reality and that opens the door to um you know the inner work that we need to do and so something like um, undertaking a prayer or meditation practice uh, whatever that might look like, I know it's different for different people, and I know I've been suggested things that just don't work for me, and I have found things that do work for me. Um, and but having something practical, you know, okay, that's nice. I can imagine a better life for myself. So what do I need to do? I need to put one foot in front of the other. So maybe I need to commit to a prayer practice 
that works for me, whatever that might be. And that is the place where I have found the answers to that question. What do I need to change about myself in order for this to become true? That's where the answers begin to appear when I'm willing to take the time to turn within and observe what's happening um, in faith, you know, connecting uh, myself with the God of my understanding. Um, then I get some practical action steps from it. In the beginning, um, is always some kind of reflection, whether, you know, what that looks like, whether it be called meditation, prayer, a time of quiet reflection, uh, journaling, you know, it can look like a lot of different things. But that's been the, the dot, if you will, in between for me is uh, I, I need to be willing to change myself and to be changed. And what are those things? Because that is what's going to uh, begin to make um, my life improve and become truly, as we say, happy, joyous, and free. I think that's a great point. And you mentioned one of the key elements for me, which is willingness. You know, an awful lot of the time I was not willing, and we talked about this um, last a couple times ago when we when we were on the show about the power of will and wanting to hang on to my idea. And not to let go of it and not to not to be open or open-minded to somebody else's way of thinking or a new concept. And um, in enough pain, I got willing to try some of those things. And um, I called it turning over rocks. You know, I had to keep, mm-hmm. I had to turn over the next, it felt like work, you know, because that didn't work, this didn't work, that didn't work. Oh, there's something over here, you know. And I would finally find a little bit of somebody else's practice that would resonate with me. Um, you know, somebody, uh, it wasn't always a sponsor. It was many times somebody in a meeting. And at many times I hear something um, after I changed the type of music I was listening to, I would hear a line in a song that would, would, would spark my imagination. And I'd go, oh, that's what's there for me. Um, you know, I was told forgiveness is an act of the will. Oh, I have to become willing, and then I get to choose to forgive somebody. Yes. You know, and there's another line in a song that says, uh, forgiveness doesn't come with a debt. And just those words made me go, oh, okay, so what do I have to change in me to answer your question? I have to be willing to give up this you owe me attitude about things in my life in order for me to move beyond this this anchor of resentment or whatever it is that's holding me back. Um, and I, I, I think of it today as being in the river. Am I swimming upstream or am I floating with the current? Yeah. You know, it, it, is all the energy going in the same direction or am I expending unnecessary energy fighting it? Yeah, that willingness to entertain an idea that came from somebody else or somewhere else, even that may have seemed... Um, you know, uh, distasteful or it didn't make any sense or I didn't like it or whatever, like, and a good example, um, it's often suggested, I found in my travels, that uh, we pick up the phone and call someone. And that had not something that I wanted to do when I came in. Uh, I've always been a very... Um, shy person that has changed a great deal and that that was just not you know reaching out to someone for help was not my go-to solution and so i had to hear that enough times from enough different people to think okay 
all right, so maybe there is something to this. And I keep hearing that it's super helpful and I'm willing, you know, I'm at a point uh, where I'm willing to try new things. And so let me try that. Let me take that action. And again, this is about, you know, the connector between our imagination and our plans. Uh, however, we express those, you know, vision boards or, um, you know, journal description or just literally Im- imagining them. Um, the connector is taking action. And that's a good example of an action I could take. Showing up at a meeting is an action that I can take. Um, talking with people after or before the meeting is an action I can take. Chairing, signing up to chair a meeting, uh, to make the coffee, to sweep the floor. Those are actions that I can take that, that may seem unrelated to my, you know, my biggest dreams. But I found that they're directly related to them. And uh, as you pointed out, that willingness being the key to take action there. And then taking action, that is our fifth unity principle, right? Among our five unity principles, number five, um, it's not enough to know this stuff. You, you've got to put it into action in your life. And so, you know, my, my prayer practice, uh, my willingness to change and be open has helped me to see the kinds of things that uh, perhaps I should be doing. And I've learned to do them, even if they don't seem connected or they don't seem like they make sense. Uh, in hindsight, I can often see that they did uh, serve my end purpose. You know, you reminded me of something that one of my sponsors said many years ago. And she said, because I refused to see more than two options. And the options were all or none. Right. Black or white. <laughs> yes, exactly. Me and too. she said, Lonnie, you always have at least three, uh, three more options. She said, you know what your problem is? You don't like them. <laughs> and I think she was onto something there because I discarded options that I did not like, was not familiar with, uh, had no interest in as an option. I just, nope, not going to do that. Not going to do that. And and so my willingness needed a lot of work in order to start connecting the dots, you know, to 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 make things change in my life. When I got willing, things started changing. Yeah, options showed up where there where it seemed like there were no options. Or I've I've heard it said, uh, you know, a door will will open where before there was no door. Yes. Now was the door there or not? I don't know. I don't even know if I care. The point is, I didn't know it was there. And now it is there, and I can walk through it. That's what I think. That's what matters. You know, this use of imagination. I'm I'm remembering uh, Unity co-founder Myrtle Fillmore's healing. Can you know what? What do you think about that? That seems like a skillful use of imagination with a powerful outcome. Oh, I absolutely believe that. Um, you know, and and which ties into visualization. But with, with Myrtle, when she describes in her in one of her books, in her healing letters, I think it was, about how she would imagine herself talking to each of the cells in her body and then clearing the blockages, basically not as in physically, but as in removing the thought patterns that were blocking her from healing, um, that that opened the pathways for love and life to flow, which created the healing properties within her. And, you know, I have had some personal experiences with that type of thing. You know, I mentioned earlier how I practiced being sick for attention, mm-hmm. you know, as a child, that I can practice being well as much. And and um, I have had some experiences myself where I have a discernible change from the way it used to be 
and the way it is now for me because of exactly that. So I think that that the healing principles that unity was founded on are absolutely skillful use of the imagination in terms of, of the ability of the body to heal itself if we allow it to do so. Yes. Yeah. And if we're willing to um, take the time to really uh, get quiet and observe what's going on and, and use, as you described, um, affirmations. So for those who don't know Myrtle Fillmore's healing story, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Um, the idea hit her. Uh, she heard it said that as a child of God, she doesn't inherit sickness. And so she decided to uh, accept that truth and to make it true. And the way, the actions that she took to make it true were each day to sit in meditation and, as Lonnie shared, to um, acknowledge each cell in her body as whole and healthy. And it took two years of doing that on a daily basis, and she was cured of tuberculosis, which is uh, quite an amazing thing. And one, and and you, 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 I think you used the phrase clearing the blockages. You know, we we got to get things out of our way, and um, I, that reminded me. And again, uh, with what Myrtle was doing, she was basically using affirmations, you know, affirmative statements, statements that affirm her health and her wholeness and her well-being. And um, I don't hear it discussed a lot, but one way I have found that affirmations work. Uh, for me, they're not like magical phrases. Like if if I say, you know, if I have the flu and I say I'm a I'm a radiating center of of God's perfect health, um, it doesn't instantly become true. But what does happen is that it can allow me to see the ways where maybe that's not what's happening, and then that allows me to see changes that I could make to clear those uh, things away, whether they be negative patterns of thought or they might be a stubbornness. I might be unwilling to reach out for help. And by using an affirmation, it becomes clear that I am being stubborn and unwilling to reach out for help. And so now I see it and now I have a choice and maybe I do then reach out for help. And, you know, these things, they, they snowball in a very positive manner into um, one little piece at a time into making that affirmation my reality but again it's it's not a magic thing you know there are steps in between like you said we've got to connect the dots and an affirmation is like you know a a prosperity goal or a visualization in a way and one way that it works is it sh i can it helps reveal to me the ways in which that is not what's going on oh now i have something to uh, look at and change and ask, you know, how could I choose differently here? I might ask that in prayer. I might ask my sponsor. I might bring it up at a meeting. I might find a book about it. But until I get to the point where I see it and I'm willing to engage it, you know, it's going to remain there and it's going to be in control of my life. I think that's a really good point. We, um, we talk about the denials as well, and denial not being as in I'm not sick when I'm obviously sick, but a denial being a belief system. And I, I think for me, this is where the key was, is I believed that if I was sick, 
I was I was really sick and there was no recovering from that. And if I caught a cold, I'm going to have it 10 days no matter what I do and I'm going to be miserable. And those are the kind of thoughts that I entertained. Mm. When I began entertaining thoughts of that is not the truth of my being. Yes, I'm sick. I have a virus or whatever, but that is not the truth of my being because God, as I understand God, is perfect healing and wholeness and that can flow through my body and into my cells. And I my job is to provide proper nutrition and rest and a appropriate medication if necessary, then when my attitude based on beliefs started changing, in other words, in the big book, they talk about it being old ideas. You know, when my old ideas began to change that nothing's going to cure me, nothing's going to help, I'm going to be miserable forever, um, then my experience started changing. So back to something I said earlier, and and you just reiterated in different words, is the awareness. I have to yes. be aware that that's what's going on in my head, that that's what my belief system is. You know, and I've, the longer I'm in recovery, the more I understand that there are so many layers to this. There's, there's, um, at the top behavior, we change our behavior, but we don't believe it's going to work, mm-hmm. you know, and then we get in alignment with our thoughts. We start, start trying to get our thoughts in alignment, and then we start trying to get our motives in alignment with that because we can be doing the right thing and saying yeah. the right words, but if our motives aren't in alignment, we're still miserable. You know, we get our motives in alignment, and then we have to start looking at, yes, but what's the belief system that this whole thing sits on? For me, that's where the real recovery takes place, is when I can get down to, you know, it says in the book, uh, some of us had old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Until I get to the bottom of the belief system that is keeping me stuck, which is essentially what you said when you said, what do I need to change about myself for this to become reality? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm stuck. Well, what is it? You know, I have a belief. That's what I'm stuck on. I believe I can't get well in less than 10 days or whatever it is. Yes. Um, then I have a choice. I have a choice about changing that belief system and the connected experience. I'm reminded here of that uh, saying that I've heard uh, in the rooms that our, our secrets run our lives. Um, or in other words, those Things that I am unaware of, that I cannot see, uh, those are running my life. And until I can see them, uh, I really there is no choice because I'm unaware. But if uh, again, always beginning with willingness, you know, honesty and open-mindedness, those essential uh, traits to uh, inviting change. If I if I am willing and honest and open, then. I can be able to begin to see uh, these things that were unseen before. And once they're seen, now they uh, can be healed. And so one of the things that comes to mind for me is when I first got into Unity, it sounded like a bunch of woo-woo to me when people started talking about these healing principles. And they started talking about meditation, and I had my own concepts of what that meant, and I had my own experiences from people that I had uh, learned from in 12-step as to what meditation meant. Um, But it strikes me that when we do a guided meditation, that that is actively engaging the power of imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the ways we do that. When we attend a class that talks about and has us practice putting together a vision board, that that's actively engaging the power of imagination. It's taking it steps further because there are things to do, action steps to do with each of those things. But we use these 
in an intentionally positive way to make improvements in our life. And I had to get willing to do that because I didn't believe it could work. Yeah, I, I definitely had that same experience where um, on the surface, um, many of the ideas that we hold and the principles that we practice can look very superficial and like, you know, like you said, woo-woo and like magical thinking and all of that. But I found in truth that they uh, have very, very deep roots. And as you pointed out, that um, that progression that leads all the way down to what is the belief system that is sitting underneath all of the rest of this that these seemingly flighty or woo-woo principles, if we're willing to undertake them, and again, this is the action part, if we're willing to do what needs to be done, uh, begin to unfold, and and their true power begins to show up because it, it's not, you know, you don't just jump from A to B, right? There are dots to connect. There are skills to learn. There are mechanisms to uncover and all kinds of things that, yes, you will eventually get from A to B, but it's not a magic wand. You know, it's, it's using spiritual principles. It's, it's leading a God-centered life. It's applying everything um, that we learn along the way uh, to making our way from A to B. So I think that's a great place to kind of bring this to a close. Um, really, the message is to pay attention to how we use our imagination and to intentionally focus it. And so thank you, Dan, for this discussion today and all that we've learned about this. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.